Testing, one, two, three, come in regulators, come in regulators. Ah, how's everybody doing this week? Listen, we made it through together, our very first Sunday without football. We made it through one, we can make it through the rest, but that does not mean that you should stop listening to the Regulators podcast. Um, if you've been around for a while, you understand that the off-season is actually the biggest time for us. It's where we get a lot of time to do our deep dives into rosters, into stats, look at the draft, um, all the college recruits that are coming out. So much stuff that we're going to get into, um, including, obviously, the guests that we'll have lined up as well. Um, lots to get into this week. All kinds of things happening around the league. Everybody has their coaching staff you know, pretty much in place. Um, the Vikings, now that they are, were able to get their guy and, and start going through uh, staff decisions there, I think they're still putting the final touches on their staff. But everybody else is pretty much spoken for. Uh, Brian Flores was hired by the Pittsburgh Steelers as a linebacker coach and a senior defensive assistant. So it took me a little bit of a surprise um it's a far cry from a head coaching job to be sure but if anyone was going to give brian flores a shot right now it would be the rooney family and i think you know we all thought before the lawsuit that brian flores was a shoe-in to get another head coaching job somewhere else um two back-to-back winning seasons after walking into an absolute dumpster fire that Adam Gase lit and walked away uh, after he was terminated in Miami. But he looked like he was a finalist for several positions, and the New York job seemed to make sense, but obviously we know what happened there. And then with the Saints and, you know, some other positions. Uh, So even though he's not even accepting a defensive coordinator position, it is... I don't know. I how do I phrase this? I'm glad to see that he's still coaching. That's that that's really how I'll say it is. I'm glad that he is still coaching. I think that he will do great things in Pittsburgh and what's interesting is the Steelers do play Miami this year at Hard Rock Stadium. So watching B-Flow scheme up the defense that is facing his old quarterback Tua Tagovailoa that will be very interesting, to say the least, and much more will be made out of it than it probably actually ends up being, but obviously there will be some added juice and drama surrounding that game. He also stopped by the I Am Athlete podcast this week, which you know is a very interesting show. If you've never checked it out, I implore you to do it. There are very few podcasts out there that are kind of doing their own thing in, in a unique way. Um, and I love what those guys do over there. I encourage you to check it out. Um, but it was a very interesting uh, episode with uh, Coach Flo. One of the more interesting parts of that interview and part of the interviews that uh, he has done with Brian Gumble, which I think also got aired Tuesday night, is that Brian Flores talks about how you know, he basically walked away. From, he had two years left on his contract, and he walked away from that money um, 
because according to him, they asked him to sign an NDA and he would receive the payout for the last two years of his contract, which for those of you who don't know uh, what NDAs are or how they work, so that basically is a non-disclosure agreement and it means that he can't go then talk about, you know, anything shady if anything happened at the company. There's a number of reasons why NDAs are actually signed. Uh, I used to write them for a living and it was standard procedure whenever anybody left the building that we had them sign NDAs and that was for so many reasons. I mean, first of all, not that this correlates directly to football, but we at our company had a lot of trade secrets, had a lot of things that was uh, proprietary information that we didn't want them sharing with you know, the outside, um, you know, and there was a lot of uh, things in NDAs that obviously as a business, you want to kind of protect yourself. And, you know, that people are holding you harmless saying that, listen, if I got any beef with you, I'm going to mention it now. Otherwise, there is no beef and we're going to squash this. And, you know, a lot of people do leave with, you know, separation agreements, you know, they get X amount of dollars towards whatever the rest of their contract was, or etc. So Brian Flores left millions of dollars on the table, you know, for what normally is pretty standard. You cut a guy with, with coaches, it's very different than players. Players' contracts are not fully guaranteed unless you have very rare, rare situations like a Kirk Cousins type of deal um, or some very strange things. But in general, players' contracts are not fully guaranteed. Coaches, on the other hand, are almost exclusively guaranteed money so that when you cut a contract, and we've even seen this in the college ranks, um, with FSU and it's like well whatever we'll just eat the money just so we can get rid of this coach and we can move on so normally that's kind of standard deal all right you're going to sign your NDA you're going to get paid out for the rest of your uh, money and then we go our separate ways but Brian Flores mentions that he didn't want to sign an NDA and so he's foregoing the money that he was owed etc etc which is very interesting now of course I have to mention the Dolphins have categorically denied these claims, saying that they're false, and they don't know why he continues to um, fabricate things that, according to the Miami Dolphins, are not true, which I find very fascinating, like, for a number of reasons. Number one, like, I, I don't know, I, I get this knee-jerk response that every time somebody has a reaction to something or somebody says something, you have to release a statement, otherwise it's true. Like, I think that's dumb, and we need to get out of that narrative, but... Putting that aside, Stephen Ross, like, has a law background and has billions of dollars in net worth. Like, you cannot tell me that you own an organization that isn't going to ask people to sign NDAs on the way out. Like, that's that's just kind of not that rare of a thing. Um, so... The fact that the Dolphins are now saying, oh, we didn't ask him to sign an NDA. Like, no, that's crazy. Like, why? Like, like if you didn't, then I, I kind of, I don't know, I lose a little bit of respect for you um, because you're about to pay a guy out for two years worth of salary, which we can argue all day of whether he should have been fired, whether he should. That's, that's a completely separate issue. But you're about to pay a guy out for two years of his salary that he's not working. So why wouldn't you want to make sure that they sign an NDA and, um, you know, make sure that everything is tied up? So the Dolphins are saying they didn't do that. 
Um, Flores is saying, yeah, I'm not getting that money. Like I, I left that on the table because I thought this was more important. So anyway, go check out the, the interview. Um, you can see the, I am athlete podcast. And then also, as I mentioned, I think on HBO, uh, Brian Gumbel, uh, they had a similar thing as well, but let's talk about some of the other coaches going around the league and what's going on. Uh, Doug Peterson seems to be calling in some old friends to help him out in Jacksonville. And this is one that I'm I'm watching cautiously optimistic because I had a lot of optimism surrounding Jacksonville going into last year. And this was even before the Urban Meyer hire because I wasn't, you know, if you listen to the podcast, you know we were kind of like, mm, can you do it with adults though? Like I don't I don't know that it's gonna work out for Urban. But I looked at the cap space I looked at their draft capital I looked at everything they had and I was like god this is like a wet dream how do you fuck this up and the Jaguars did some Jaguar things um starting with Urban Meyer going through some of Urban Meyer's hires you can even look at their first pick in the draft where you had James Robinson a proven draft pick or a proven rookie from the previous year that cost you nothing like he was, he was a nobody and came out of the woodwork to just be astounding. And then you're like, well, let's go get the running back who played with Trevor. Lo-. Like that's just stupid waste of capital. I don't care how many first round picks you have. You know, I don't care. Like that's that just I don't buy into that. Um, so there were there were definitely a lot of things there that just didn't seem like they were going right. And I think it's easy to bash owners, right? And I know people get on Shad Khan, they, they've gotten on Stephen Ross and all kinds of other people. Um, and there, there are certain times where I will bash an owner for certain things. But I think you guys, you, you really have to consider the pieces and how these things work, right? Coaches and football people, people who are truly football people who came up that way, don't typically own NFL organizations, right? These people made their money in a million different ways, and then they buy an NFL franchise, okay? Average NFL franchise is going to cost, like the Denver Broncos are up for sale right now. Maybe 4 to $5 billion that's going to go for. So when that guy jumps into the ring and buys an NFL franchise, that doesn't mean necessarily that he knows how to build a football program. It means he sees it as a good investment. He sees it as a good business investment. Now, what you hope is that that person will spare no cost to try to go out and find advisors and find people who will advise that uh, ownership on how to put together the best executive team, the best front office, go get the best coaches and things like that. But you don't know what you don't know. And I'm not excusing some of these franchises uh, for their hires. I'm just saying, you know, take it with a grain of salt. And I, I put a lot of pressure and I put a lot of expectations on coaching staff, on front office. But at the end of the day, the owners are just signing checks, man. Like they're, they're just signing fucking checks. And hopefully... The mark to me of a good owner is somebody who will sign every check you want. If you're like, listen, I want to have 42 assistant coaches and I want to have a whole 
building that's developed to health and wellness and sports science and you go, all right, sure, let's do it. Like that's a good owner to me. Like sign the fucking checks and get the hell out of the way. Like that's that's really what I want. But as far as them being able to pick out a good GM or a, a good head coach, like, you know, they're they're relying on the opinions of other people. So having said that, I am eager to see if Doug Peterson gets it right, if Shad Khan got it right. You know, obviously we know what he said, which will live in infamy with Urban Meyer. This time we got it right. Well, maybe not so much, but maybe this time, this time they got it right. And I've talked about it at length. I love Doug Peterson. Um, I thought the balls that he showed in a lot of those playoff games, including obviously the Super Bowl. And it wasn't just Philly Philly. It wasn't just going for it on fourth down. I mean, there were so many moments where he just said, like, I'm playing to win. Like, I'm not going to, all right, play the odds. Maybe I punt here. Maybe I get it. Like, you, I, I'm here to fucking win, and I'm not scared of anybody. I'm not scared of Bill Belichick. I'm not scared of anybody we're facing in the playoffs. I'm going to go win this thing. So, I think that he's going to bring a lot to Jacksonville, and I think they should be excited. They should be optimistic. Obviously, though, you know, when you've had the abuse over the years, you become, uh, you know, you kind of get that shell shock where you're just waiting for it all to kind of fall apart. So we'll see, you know, where it ends up going. But speaking of things all falling apart, um, the Dolphins have gotten their staff together and they brought in some very familiar faces there's three former players from the 2004 Miami Dolphin team and Wes Welker Sam Madison Patrick Sertain that have all now joined the coaching staff and it's interesting it felt like a college you know when a college is trying to rebrand themselves and get the fans all hyped up. They bring in some of these former players to coach a bunch of positions. Now, I will say, this isn't like they just got these guys off the streets. Uh, Wes Welker was literally doing the same exact job in San Francisco as a wide receivers coach. And you look at what he did. You look at Sam Madison. He was with Kansas City. And, you know, these guys aren't just, you know, some names that they called up some old uh, former alumni to coach. These are actually talented individuals. I worked with Sam previously and just as a human, he's just a great, awesome guy. And what I love about Sam is like off the field for a second, like he just, he appreciates and understands the value of not just the fans, but everything that goes into making a game day amazing and being part of that and how that affects everything that's on the field so I wish Sam and the whole crew down there obviously a lot of luck and you know we are now talking about coaches and everything else like that a lot of these guys are really going to have to get on the ball quick especially these new head coaches because we are about eight weeks away from the NFL draft and you need to immediately start analyzing your new team you need to start figuring out okay a from a cap space standpoint, which guys might we need to make some hard decisions on? Which guys do we need to re-sign? Who's hitting free agency? You have to figure out all of this in a short manner of time. And then you really need to start looking at film and your roster and everything else like that. Now, granted, even I think it was Mike McDaniel who was talking about this, but most of these coaches will tell you, 
by the time they're going through the interview process, they've already started breaking down film on certain guys because that is part of the interview process is to come in and say, well, these guys I think we can build around this, you know, excuse me, this scheme I liked, this I don't. You know, there's a lot that you have to talk about in that interview process. And for your own peace of mind going to the team where you're going, you kind of want to know what pieces you have, what you can build around, and who you might need to jettison. So that's a lot of work for these coaching staff to get into uh, less than two months before the draft, especially when you need to start making those like I said, those cap decisions and those really tough decisions of who you're going to offer contracts to. Now, different organizations are set up differently. Obviously, very few have the situation that uh, Bill Belichick has where it's pretty much he's the GM, he's the head coach, it's whatever he wants to do, and that's fine. Um, But there are situations where the head coaches have a lot of pull And there are other situations where the GM is going to go get the groceries you just cook and you do what you have to do. So either way, it's going to be really interesting leading up to the NFL draft. But, um, you know, one of the things that I wanted to talk about is the quarterback room. So obviously we know in the NFL it kind of starts and ends with your quarterback room. So I wanted to go team by team and just kind of address the room of every NFL team and of course I'd always love to get your thoughts as well you can tweet us at regulators pod any time of day and uh, we'd love to have that conversation but this is what I did I looked at all 32 quarterback teams all 32 NFL teams and I looked at their quarterback rooms and I broke it down into three categories okay every team will fall into dudes duds or we don't know so A dude means this is somebody who can win you a ring. Doesn't mean you have to be Aaron Rodgers to be a dude, but you need to be able to go win games. You know, Tom Brady game managed for years, and he won Super Bowls on field goals and interceptions at the goal line, but he also won them on his fucking arm. So let's, right now, let's dispel this myth that there are inferior teams out there winning Super Bowls who have elite quarterbacks and the rest of the team is shit. Because that's not a fact. More often than not, it's actually the other way around. So look how often Super Bowl winners have had a top 10 defense. And what is it like, I think 17 of the last 22 Super Bowls have had top 10 defenses. So you look at the rest of the team makeup, you know, It takes so many pieces, you know, so spare me with this, well, yeah, you know, Stafford could get you there if everything was perfect garbage. Like, that's, we got to stop with this shit. NFL is a team sport. If I can win a ring with you, you're a dude. Nothing else, nothing else matters. Like, you just, I, I, we really got to stop with this fucking narrative, man. Everybody is so binary. And that's a problem with most of this world, even outside of sports. Everything's black and white. Everything's this or that. You cannot, you know, support the police and also think, oh, maybe we could change a few things. Sure. You cannot support the troops and also think, hmm, should we go over to this country? Like you can't, like everything has to be so binary and that's just not the real world. That's, that's not how it works. So every time 
you know, a quarterback is doing well who isn't Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady or Patrick Mahomes, it becomes, yeah, but he had a good running game. Yeah, but he had a good defense. Like, yeah, and and those are the teams who win the Super Bowl that have at least one of those fucking things. Like, you, you guys got to stop, man. You just, you're hating, and you got to stop. So again, if I can win a ring with you, then that means you're a dude. If there is no fucking way that I can win a ring with you. If I had the number one defense and I had a top five run game, my special teams was on point and you still couldn't get me in there, then you're a dud. You're an absolute dud. Everything in between being a dude and a dud is a I don't know. That means maybe you can, maybe you can't. I either don't have enough information yet to make that decision or you've been inconsistent, so there are times where I think you could. There are times where I think you couldn't. So let's go through the list, and I think it's going to be really interesting at the end because I I think that people believe that there are way more franchise quarterbacks or there are way more things locked up than there really are, but I don't know. Again, add us on Twitter where we can talk about it. So let's let's just start in the AFC, right? Buffalo Bills. Josh Allen. Josh Allen is a fucking dude. And if there was any doubt before this NFL playoffs, it was settled. It's done. The first two years, this guy was so abysmal. So abysmal. And people were calling for his head. And then all of a sudden, year three, click, clack, boom. And year four, he follows it up in the same fashion and you look at that amazing Chiefs-Bills playoff game that we're still talking about, and the team as a whole did not win. They did not advance because they couldn't stop Patrick Mahomes from going 50 yards in 13 seconds. But Josh Allen? Josh Allen did everything he could. You score with less than 20 seconds in the game, like as a quarterback, you score, and it's not like that was his only touchdown of the game. It's not like that was the only thing he did all game. So Josh Allen is an absolute dude. Next team, New England Patriots, Mac Jones. Mac Jones came from Alabama, came in as a rookie, and took the Patriots to the playoffs. Mac Jones, don't know. Is he a dude? Could he be? Maybe. Perhaps. Did I like what I saw out of him this year? Yes. And everybody, dink and dunk bullshit, listen, go to regulatorspod.com right now. Go look up the article about how air yards per completion isn't the stat that you think it is, and then go look who's at the bottom and go see Mahomes and other quarterbacks that you're going to be very surprised are on there. So the point is, I don't care how he gets it done. Mac Jones, for a rookie, in the situation that he was where we can talk about, yeah, last year you had Cam Newton and whatever, but Mac Jones is not replacing Cam Newton. Mac Jones is replacing Tom Brady. We all understand that, right? That's why it was so hyped up when Tom went back to play in New England and it's like, we understand what's at stake here. So can he be a dude? Sure. Is he right now? I don't know. We got to see. We got to let it play out. 
Very promising out the gate, but we got to see how it plays out. Next on the list, Miami Dolphins. Tua Tunga Valoa. Now, is Tua a dude? Can Tua go win you a ring? I don't know. I hope so. Was he a dude in college? Absolutely. When he came off the bench as a freshman, national championship game, after being sacked and being like, oh shit, is this good? Look, blow! Handle fucking business. And then for years, everybody was like, this is it. This is the dude. This is the guy. And then all of a sudden he gets hurt. And these questions start to swirl. And it's like, okay, so Tank Fertua is now not Tank Fertua. And Joe Burrow is going to be the next heir apparent who would have been nothing before he transferred to LSU that final year. But can Tua be the dude in the NFL? He has all the skill set. Like, everything's there. I know people will say, oh, you know, he doesn't have the arm to get those quick out routes or he doesn't have this and that. Listen, I I could spend hours sending you tape, sending you numbers that he, he can make every throw on the field. Now, if you want to say he doesn't have the strongest arm in the league right now, 100%. Like, I'm not going to tell you that he's going to kick it 75 yards down the field. Like, I'm not telling you that. But again, they said Peyton Manning had no fucking arm and he wouldn't make it in the league. Um, there were other quarterbacks where they said the same thing. Ah, oh, the arms like. A, but Tua has the skill set. He has everything. And the the most important thing for me when I look at quarterbacks and I look at how they they perform over lengths of time, it's consistency at accuracy. Okay, so no matter how far down the field you're pushing that ball. How accurate are you? And at one point throughout the year, I think he was hitting like 80%. Um, He set some record for most games over whatever percent. Um, The accuracy is there. And when you look at the most accurate quarterbacks in the NFL this year, look at the top 10. Nine of them made the playoffs. The only one who didn't? Tua Tungavaloa. And remember, he missed games. Missed games that... Possibly he could have played in, like you look at that Ravens game where he came in off the bench and they won that game where he was claiming he was healthy and ready to play, but that's a topic for a whole nother issue. So is Tua a dude? I don't know. I hope he is, but we got to find out and we'll see what Mike McDaniel can get out of him. Let's go to the New York Jets. Zach Wilson. Is he a dude? Tell you a lot of people in New York hope so, but it didn't look great this year. It didn't look great. Now I can't I can't call a rookie, I can barely call a second year person a dud, so I'm just gonna say I don't know. The interception rate that he had early in the year, the decision making like that's the thing for me. For a rookie, it's not just it's not just about interceptions. Like I wanna see you kind of try to Force some things, and I want you to explore your own boundaries and see where you can go. But some of the decisions, when it's just like, where the fuck were you throwing that to? Like, what was going through your mind? And this is, again, why I've always been long on the school of sit a guy. Sit a guy for at least a season. Sit him behind a Ryan Fitzpatrick. Sit him behind... 
you know, a Matt Ryan, sit him behind a Ben Roethlisberger, sit him behind a Drew Brees. That makes a world of difference. Patrick Mahomes sat behind um, Alex Smith. Aaron Rodgers sat for three fucking years behind Brett Favre. Makes a world of difference. So, and I, I get it. Listen, not every team has that luxury. Not every team has a quarterback. But you can usually go find some veterans on the cheap. And at best, you can put them in and, you know, let them have a competition, you know, through uh, camp and preseason and, and see where it kind of all shakes out. I, I get it. The fans are always like, put the rookie in, put the rookie in. But yeah, then when he throws 22 fucking interceptions, you're not so thrilled. And you're like, oh, draft somebody else. Like, that's that's your fucking problem. So, you know, you can't listen to the fans. You got to do what's best for the franchise. And hopefully, Zach Wilson is the best thing for the franchise. But we haven't seen it yet. Um, I'm interested to see what Robert Sala does in year two. I liked him. I've liked him for a long time. And I hope that he can, you know, kind of get things going in New York. But a lot of that will depend on Zach Wilson. So for right now, don't know. So to recap, in the AFC East, you got three donos and one dude in Josh Allen. Josh Allen is the only person in the AFC East right now that we can put a fucking stamp on and be like, yes, he's a dude, franchise guy, absolutely. Let's move on to the AFC West. Let's start with the Chargers, Justin Herbert. Now, Justin Herbert, you know, was only in his second year with the Chargers, but Justin Herbert has cemented himself as a dude. I can win with him. Doesn't mean necessarily, again, like, oh, he's going to be a top three quarterback for the rest of his career, but I can fucking win with that guy. Justin Herbert is a dude. And, you know, again, there are some times where his decision-making process, mm, he has moments. But overall, he lets his nuts hang. He puts the ball out there and he puts it in good places. He, uh, he helps his wide receivers out with what he does. like, And you never feel like you're out of the game when you have Justin Herbert. So Justin Herbert is a dude. Now we have the Chiefs. Do you have to fucking question it? You already know. Patrick Mahomes is an absolute dude. And I think that he had more growth this year than any year that I've ever seen him. You know, people like to talk about when he said going into like year three he was just learning how to read defenses he didn't know that before and he was still that good uh i think patrick mahomes growth this year was phenomenal you look at the first seven eight games of the season when the chiefs were getting their ass handed to them and one of the reasons was the offense had the most turnovers in the nfl the offense was giving the other team the ball a lot of that was Patrick Mahomes throwing horrible interceptions. A lot of it was fumbles. But Pat wanted that home run. I, I said it earlier in the year. Like, it felt like he was bored. It felt like Pat was bored back there and is like, well, I can do anything I want. Let me just run around for 20 minutes. I'll eventually find Tyreek out there somewhere or Kelsey and we'll just let it fly. Like, he stopped doing that. He learned, if they're going to give me five yards, take the five fucking yards. Do that twice. That's a first down. So he learned to be patient. He learned to not have to get the home run on every single play. And obviously they came up short this season. But I don't think anybody will say that Patrick Mahomes is not absolutely a dude. That moves us to the Raiders. And currently, 
Derek Carr is their quarterback. Hopefully he will stay their quarterback, but when a new head coach comes in, we don't know what Josh McDaniels is going to do. I think that he would keep Derek Carr because anybody with half a brain can see that Derek Carr was never the problem. Derek Carr, to me, is a dude. I can win with Derek Carr. I can absolutely fucking win with Derek Carr. Let me put it this way. You put Derek Carr on this year's Indianapolis Colts team, and you tell me that that team didn't make the playoffs and make a deep fucking run. Like, you can't tell me. Like, that that wouldn't be the case. So as stacked as the AFC is, and as stacked as the AFC West is, Derek Carr is absolutely a fucking dude. And that leaves us with the Denver Broncos. Now, their current quarterback situation? Well, they had Drew Locke, who to me is a dud, despite my love for his young Jeezy antics. Um, Drew Locke has not shown me in any way, shape, or form that he is a dude. Now, could a fresh start for him somewhere maybe get him back going in the right direction? Sure, it's possible. But right now, for me, he is a dud. So I don't think he has it. Teddy Bridgewater? Don't know. I was a huge Teddy B fan. I think that the Panthers should have never let him go. They gave him big money for a reason and then immediately moved on. He went to Denver. Looked like he might be able to do some things there. They started 3-0. and Everything was going great. And then, obviously... He got hurt. There was all kinds of situations there, and it just didn't end up the way anybody wanted. But so I don't. I don't know. Until I've seen enough of Teddy to know that he might be a dude. He might be a dude because I think Teddy is. What does it go? It's one, two, three. I think Teddy is the fourth most accurate quarterback in NFL history. Y'all sleeping on Teddy? Go run the numbers. Go run the numbers and then go run the tape from Carolina Panthers. You watch how he kept that team in games they had no fucking business being in. Third and 28, no problem. Fourth and 17, no problem. Teddy was doing stupid things for the Panthers. But they didn't win. And apparently, management thought that wins is a QB stat. So that's why they were happier when Sam Darnold was 3-0. How'd that fucking work out for you? So that being said, I don't know about Teddy. I'm pretty confident Locke is a dud. But this is where people start swirling with those rumors of, is Denver a likely landing spot for any of these quarterbacks who may want out, whether it's Rodgers or Russell Wilson uh, or any of these guys who could be on the move. But you look at the competition in the division itself. I just named off three dudes in the AFC West. You got Mahomes, you got Herbert, you got Carr. So already the competition is tight just in your own division. But it could get tighter if they improve at that position. So we'll have to see what the Broncos do. Now let's go over to the AFC North. Baltimore Ravens. Lamar is a dude. Anybody who thinks he's not a dude, listen, Boomer, just... Take your good old days shit somewhere else. Lamar Jackson is a fucking dude. And everyone is like, oh yeah? How come he hasn't won a Super Bowl yet? Oh yeah? 
When was the last time Aaron Rodgers won a Super Bowl? Like 12 fucking years ago? Shit's hard, dude. Shit's hard. Okay? So please fucking spare me this. Oh, if he doesn't win the Super Bowl, then he sucks. Like, that's it. That's just like, like you're rooting for someone to fail even in the slightest amount, even though they go to the playoffs every single year. And we saw what happened this year. Lamar was hurt the whole last half of the season. Trust me, he was on my fantasy team. Broke my fucking heart. But, say la vie. Lamar is a fucking dude. So put some respect on his name. Then you go to the Steelers. Shit, what do we got there? Mason Rudolph? Dud. Now listen. This is a part of the show where I just like to remind everybody. This is a football podcast. We make both objective and subjective opinions on football and the people who play it, coach it, etc. These guys could be swell guys. Mason Rudolph might be the nicest fucking guy in the world. I don't think he is, but maybe he is. So I got no beef with Mason Rudolph, right? Like, but is he a dude? Let me put it this way, Steelers fans, straight face. I want you to look at me, and I want you to tell me, Tomlin comes out, and he says, listen, Mason's made some great strides. He's going to be our quarterback this year, hands down. We're going to build around him, and we're going to go. You look at me with a straight face, and you tell me that, yeah, Steelers got a great shot at the Super Bowl. Nah, you ain't doing that. Dude's a fucking dud. So, what are the Steelers' plans? Now, the Steelers minus Mason Rudolph, I don't know if you could go into a better situation. First of all, I love me some Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin does not get enough fucking credit. He does not get enough credit. Like, he just set the record this year for, however, most consecutive years, like, without a losing record. The guy is a boss. And you look at the way he filled Jackson's, some of these players, when he had A.B., Le'Veon Bell, Big Ben, like, all these personalities on the same team went, nobody getting in trouble. Wasn't, no bullshit. Like, they leave, they go other places, it becomes drama, it becomes all this stuff. Like, you know, Juju was dancing, and that was what it was, but nothing like what you've seen with A.B. the second he left. Nothing like you saw with, with Bell and all of that drama. So, I think... Mike doesn't get enough credit, and I absolutely love the Steelers organization. I love the Rooney family. I think what they've done and what they've tried to do for the game of football has been you know, practically unmatched, and if you were a quarterback looking for a destination, I think you could do a lot worse than the Pittsburgh Steelers. So as of right now, the Pittsburgh quarterback room only has duds, unfortunately. However... They could easily find them a dude this offseason. And that would be very interesting for the AFC North. So sticking in that division, we move to the Cincinnati Bengals. Joe Burrow is a fucking dude. And I would like him to stay a dude and stay a one-piece dude and not be torn to fucking shreds, which means the Bengals need to take that cap space that they have they have the fourth most cap space in the nfl and they need to go buy anybody they can who is competent and guess what you're going to be competing with the miami dolphins who have the most cap space and who have 
almost as bad a need as you do at offensive line, if not just as bad. So Bengals and Dolphins going to be outbidding each other for some linemen this offseason, and that's a fact. But if the Bengals can keep Joe Burr in one piece, that guy's that guy's just going to be so fucking good for years to come, man. I mean, again, if they can not Andrew Luck this motherfucker and not have him like play five, six years and be like, eh, nah, I think I'm done. Like, take care of this guy. Do you know? 30 years. 30 years, Cincinnati. You wait for a playmaker like this. You wait for a guy like this. And this guy just fucking embodies it all and just walks with the fucking swag of, that's right, I'm here. Let's go win the fucking game. This is your guy, Cincinnati. Don't you fuck this up, man. Joe Burrow is a dude. And that brings us to the cross-state rival, the Cleveland Browns. (sighs) Baker Mayfield. I thought long and hard about this one. I really did. And what I've landed on is, don't know. I don't know. And you'd think for as many years as someone has been in the league that I'd be able to tell you definitively, right? But I think we forget what Baker Mayfield looked like when Kevin Stefanski came to town, and we forget that the Browns were a favorite to go to the Super Bowl. Sure, maybe not like the ultimate favorite, like Chiefs and Buccaneers were preseason, but they were one of the teams that analysts were picking saying, yeah, I could see the Browns going to the Super Bowl. And we know how it ended up. But, you know, with Baker, like, I've seen the moments, right? We've seen not only times where he puts a team on his back, but... We've seen games. We talked about it last season. 400 yards of offense. And the fucking 500 yards of offense. And the team loses. We see Baker put up three or four touchdowns. And the team loses. So again, that's why I go back to that wins is not a quarterback stat. But the inconsistency of Baker is the biggest problem. That's my... That's my issue. I will say, so, you know, again, with Baker, his floor is Jimmy Garoppolo. His ceiling is Derek Carr. Okay? And I already told you Derek Carr is a dude. Like, so, he can absolutely be a dude. But I don't know. I I don't know what it takes. And so, for me, right now, he's an I don't know. Okay? Now, let's go over to the AFC South. Let's start with the Titans. Ryan Tannehill is a dude. Do not blink. He's absolutely a fucking dude. Let's forget the fact that this guy has more grit than any of you can even imagine. And let's forget the fact that, yes, I stand this guy. Ryan Tannehill left the Miami Dolphins, who tried to get him schmurdered, much the way that the Bengals are doing to Joe Burrow, He left after like four coordinators and four years and, you know, whatever the situation was. And people forget that while he was with Miami, he did go like on a nine and one run, got hurt, 
this while they were going into the playoffs and Matt Moore ended up losing the playoffs for the Dolphins, but Tannehill didn't even get to play in there. And then he goes to the Titans. And immediately, since going to the Titans, he becomes the number one quarterback. He has the highest quarterback rating over the past few years since going to the Titans, and the guy is dealing. And then people say, well, you know, he couldn't do that without Derrick Henry because Derrick Henry is so much of that offense. Like, all right, I see you, boo-boo. So what happens? Derrick Henry goes down. Out. Nine games without Derrick Henry. What happened? Oh, he's still dealing? He's still leading the NFL right now in fourth quarter comebacks? He's still got the number one seed in the AFC? Yeah, sit your ass down. You, you can't say that anymore. It was cute. It was cute for a long time. Like, yeah, but, you know, if he didn't have Derrick Henry, he wouldn't win shit. They'd never win a game. They got the number one fucking seed in a division that has Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills, Patrick Mahomes, and the Kansas City Chiefs. And we saw, obviously, what Joe Burrow did with the Bengals. And, you know, I could keep going. They got the number one fucking seed. Played most of the season without that star running back. How'd they do it? You can't say the defense because that defense has been so much maligned, especially by this show, the fact that they don't even want to sneeze on a quarterback. So how'd they do it? They played well in all, all three phases. It sounds cliche, but they played well. And Ryan Tannehill did what he needed to do. You can win with Ryan Tannehill. He is absolutely a fucking dude. Another guy that we know is a dude... is Deshaun Watson. But guess what? He ain't going to be a dude for the Texans. We don't know what his situation is, legal, civil, or other, and we do know that he told the Texans, no, nah, I'm not playing for you. So trade me, do what you got to do, but I will not be here. So what does that leave for the Texans? Davis Mills? I was curious about Davis Mills. And then I became intrigued. And uh, I'll be watching, but right now, that's a big I don't know. And I guarantee you the Texans aren't like, yeah, yeah, we got it covered. So, that brings you to the Jaguars. Trevor Lawrence, sunshine, Mr. Second Coming himself. Trevor Lawrence was that fucking guy. You can just tell. You, you, you can just tell he's going to be that guy. Well, guess what, T-Law? This ain't college no more. He did not look that impressive in a Jacksonville Jaguars uniform. Now, granted, he was in a shitty situation. And, you know, the Jaguars, you know, again, we can talk all day about that situation and how they set him up and everything going on there. But... Doug Peterson, as we know, former quarterback himself, that's going to be great for Trevor Lawrence. But as it sits right now, Lawrence and Zach Wilson were going back and forth of like who could throw the most picks. And I remember there was at one point between like Halloween and past Christmas where Trevor Lawrence had thrown like one touchdown to like five interceptions. So got a long way to go there. So that's a huge, I don't know. You can't call him a dud. He's a rookie. You can't call him a dud. And after, especially after the body of work that he put together at Clemson, like, 
We don't know. We just don't know. So we'll see. But then we go over to the Indianapolis Colts. Carson Wentz. Dud. Now there's rumors he'll be on the move, right? Because the Colts have such a great team going there. They got a lot of things going. But it just it wasn't enough. And again, that's where I asked this question. You put Derek Carr on the fucking Colts. They're going to do some damage. So Carson Wentz, and it, and it's sad, right? Because if you actually go back and look at early in his career, like before he got hurt, he was balling, man. Like he was balling before he gets hurt. And then he gets hurt. The backup goes and wins the Super Bowl. They build a statue of him outside the fucking building. And then you're never the same again. And then they send you to Indy. And Carson Wentz looks like one of those few guys that like, yeah, I, I, I might hang out with him. Like, he looks like a decent guy, but I think he's done. I think there's, it's just, it's time, man. Like, he's, I get that he can game manage and he can do some things, but if you're a team looking to build around somebody, it's not going to be Carson Wentz. So Carson's in the dead column. Now let's flip over to the NFC. Let's start with America's team. Them boys. Dallas Cowboys. Out there in Jerry World. They got themselves a Dak Prescott. And that there, that's a dude. Dak Prescott is absolutely a fucking dude. He's worth every single fucking penny. And Dallas is lucky to have a G like that in the building. If you're still arguing that Dak is a dude, that's because your favorite team is probably the Eagles or the Giants and you're just wanting to talk shit. Or you're just one of those people who hate the Cowboys for no reason. Which, again, we've talked about on the show. I, I, I never really understand. I understood it in the 90s. The same way I understood the Patriots hate, you know, in the 2000s or 2010s. Like, everyone just like, that team that always kind of wins, like, you don't like them. But when was the last time the Cowboys won a fucking Super Bowl? Like, 1993, 95, some shit like that? Like, get over it. Like, why, why do people still hate on the Cowboys? Anyways. Cowboys got themselves a dude. Now you've got the New York Giants who are saying that they're going to build around Daniel Jones. Not bloody likely. If so, you're building around a dud. You know, I reserved judgment on this kid for a long time. Again, wasn't put in the best of situations, but my God, dude. Like, first of all, he doesn't take care of the football. And for me, if you don't take care of the football, you're not going to be around long. I can't trust you. Like, you just, you don't take care of the football. So, even putting that aside, Daniel Jones, despite giving one of the funniest highlights we've ever seen where he was tripped by a ghost on a ridiculous long run, Daniel Jones is a dud. So that moves us to the Washington Commanders, which still feels very, very fucking weird to say. And, you know, while we're on that, like, how, how could Washington fuck this up this bad, right? Like, you're a billion-dollar organization. And you decide, new uniforms, new logos, we're going to get this shit going. And then you fucking, again, like, I, I hate to beat this dead horse. It just, it still blows my mind. You're going to put out these little videos of, like, hey, coach, here's our new uniforms, here's our new logo. Wow, that's really cool. And, of course, the uniform's off screen, but you can see the coach's reaction. They'll be like, oh, this will be good for social media. 
You don't fucking realize there's reflections in the coach's glasses. There's reflections on the table. There's reflections on the glass fucking window behind you. We can all see the logo. We know exactly what it's going to be. And then later on when you're getting closer and you're going to reveal the name, you go ahead and decide, hey, you know, let's get all the hallways covered with our new name on it and everything else like that. Let's let's get this all done and get, and get this up there. And there's people in the building across the street from the facility who can see right in and be like, oh, look, there's the commanders. And then you come out with your big social media release. Hey, we're the Washington commanders. Here's our new logo. Like, yeah, no shit. We already knew. Like, how do you fuck this up? Like, this this wasn't even like, oh, it was leaked, someone in the organization. Like, no, you fucked this up yourself. Like, you're so inept. Like, you're creating your social media content. Like, you're putting this out on your own page, and you don't realize that there's, reflect. like, what level of incompetence is going on over there? Like, it's no surprise the shit that has gone down around that organization if this is the level of incompetence that you can't complete simple tasks like this. Having said that, the Washington Commanders, I was very sad to see Fitzpatrick, you know, get hurt. Um, we know that that what it was what it was, but that gave, obviously, Taylor Heineke another shot to go in and make a name for himself. Now, he's a don't know for me. We remember his heroics in the playoffs the year before. Obviously, that got him to stick around for this year, but haven't seen enough to be like, yeah, I, I, could, I could win with this guy. So he's a big question mark. The Philadelphia Eagles, Jalen Hurts, I don't know either. I got a lot of plus signs next to his name. I like him. I like him a lot. And the only reason that the Eagles were even fighting for anything the end of last season was because Jalen Hurts put the team on his fucking back. And I've seen some awesome things out of him. But not... I need to see more. I need, I need to see the same. I'm not saying like he has to like go well above and beyond what he's doing now. But I just... I haven't seen enough of it. Right? I haven't seen enough of it. So give me six to eight more games of that going into the beginning of next year, and then maybe I can say, like, you're a dude. You're, I think you're a dude. I'm pretty sure you're a dude. I got little plus signs next to your name. But we got to see it. So that brings us to the NFC West. The Super Bowl champion LA Rams, they know they got themselves a fucking dude. Matt Stafford is absolutely a dude. And he didn't become a dude. He's been a dude. He was always that fucking dude. The get the fuck off of me, dude. That's who the fuck he was. Like, I'm going to go down. I'm going to make it happen. And he was stuck in Detroit. We know what it was. No disrespect to Detroit. You know what it is, too. He was stuck in abomination. Like, he was, he was stuck in Exile Island. And that was it. And the Rams freed him. And this is what Stafford was always capable of being. Matt Stafford is absolutely a fucking dude, and he just got a ring on it. Now, another guy who is absolutely a dude, but we don't know how long he's going to be around, is Russell Wilson. The Seattle Seahawks love them some Russell Wilson, but does the love go both ways? We know last offseason there was like, mm, Russ isn't happy, he doesn't want to be here right now. This is fucked up. 
And then just like with the Aaron Rodgers thing, kind of worked itself out. All that shit kind of went away. Well, it's new offseason. Another opportunity to either voice your opinions or try to get heard more. So we don't know. We don't know if Russ is going to be the guy, if it's time for him to say, you know what, we're going to part ways. You know, I just, I'm not really feeling it. So that's a question mark. And that brings us to the San Francisco 49ers. Jimmy G. Jimmy fucking G. Jimmy G is like a dude with an asterisk. Like, he's like right on that fringe, man. Like, I literally, this was, this was, this was one of the two toughest ones that I had, okay? And I wrote, dude, question mark. Because I just don't know. I mean, I've seen, I told you with Baker, right? I said, Baker's floor is Jimmy G. His ceiling is Derek Carr. And I told you that Derek Carr is a dude. So if I make Jimmy G a dude, well, doesn't that make Baker Mayfield a dude? Which it could be. You know, it's it's important that we keep ourselves on our own toes and we're always questioning. So with Jimmy, you know, it's tough. He got to a Super Bowl. Almost got to a second one, but but he didn't. And... It's tough because you've seen that teams have proven they can win with him. Can they win it all with him? That's the question. And let's be fair. A lot of people forget that that Chiefs 49ers Super Bowl, the 49ers were out in front. And there was no inclinations that Kansas City was going to run off the other way with it. But then it happened. So Jimmy G for me is like, he's God, he's, he's right on that cusp, but I really have to lean towards a don't know, right? Like, again, like, a, I'm just going to leave it as dude question mark. Because he's the one guy, man, that it's just, a, let me put it this way. And this is where it kind of falls for me. It's like, nobody's scared. If, if your team, if your division all of a sudden gets Jimmy G in it, you're not like, fuck. If your team gets Aaron Rodgers in it, if it gets Ryan Tannehill or Lamar Jackson, or any of these other guys on this list, you're like, yeah, that's that sucks. I would have rather been somebody else. Carson Wentz, Jimmy G. Like, those are guys that aren't really scaring anybody. Jimmy G, you know, if you load the box, you're not really worried, like, oh, man, he's going to torch you and find that one-on-one matchup and put the ball on the spot. Like, that's that's not his game. And that's fine. That doesn't mean it has to be his game, but Jimmy G is dude question mark. So he's one foot in, one foot out. And that brings us to my other difficult decision. And that's the Arizona Cardinals with Kyler Murray. I begrudgingly had to put Kyler Murray in the don't know. He's a don't know. I don't know. How can you be Offensive Rookie of the Year? How can you be this elite playmaker? How can you just like make people look silly and stupid all over the field? And then the second half of every season, you just shit the bed. Doesn't make any sense. We know what happened in the playoff game. Kyler Murray was 
zero touchdowns, two interceptions, and a passer rating of 41. But let's talk about, let's go back further than that because they shouldn't have really even been in the playoffs. Like they, they started out the season undefeated. They went on that long, stupid run and then just just nothing. So eight of the first 10 games that Kyler Murray played, he had a passer rating over 100. After those 10 games that he played in, the rest of the season, he only had one game with a passer rating over 100, and he threw five touchdowns and five interceptions. So why are you falling apart at the biggest moments? Like, why can you not put it in? And I don't even care about the fucking wins. Like, when I say they shouldn't have been in the playoffs, like, yeah, they lost a bunch of games at the end. But again, from a quarterback perspective, like, just five touchdowns, five interceptions the rest of the season. Like, you go into the playoffs, 41 quarterback rating, no touchdowns, a couple of picks. Like, where were you? Like, where were you, where were you as, a, as a dude? I don't care if you win the game. Josh Allen didn't win his last playoff game. Was he a dude in that game? You bet your fucking ass he was. So, Kyler Murray's an I don't know for me. And, you know, I know the whole thing came out about, oh, he's selfish and he's, you know, the organization's not happy with him. Yeah, it's easy to point fucking fingers, but, you know, the rest of your organization didn't do a lot of shit either. So, having said that, it's fine to play the, the blame game, but... I think there could be some ulterior motives for those leaks and for some other issues, but I won't get into that now. So that flips us over to the NFC North, where the first name on the list, absolutely, this is the definition of a dude, Aaron fucking Rodgers. This guy for me is the baddest motherfucker to ever pick up a football and throw it. Like you can talk all your shit that you want about Tom Brady and listen, when you win seven rings, like you're the goat, like you, you just are. I mean, wins isn't a stat, but like, God, you get past three Super Bowl rings, you got to start counting them at some point. His body of work speaks for itself. But if all things were equal, I've said this for years, even even before he left New England, even you put Aaron Rodgers on the New England Patriots or in a system that, you know, has the great fucking defense, has everything else, the coaching, everything else going around him, Aaron Rodgers would have fucking damn near... I, I don't know if he'd have as many Super Bowls as Tom. Like, you know, that's a hard thing to say, and you're being completely, like, just hypothetical at that point. But if you can't tell me that Aaron Rodgers doesn't have two, three Super Bowl rings at this point, like, in that same situation, like, I, I think you're full of shit. I think pound for pound, as a quarterback, just as a quarterback, I think Aaron Rodgers is one of the best to ever fucking do it, if not the best. So having said that, Rodgers is absolutely a dude absolutely he is and then that brings us to the minnesota vikings kirk cousins may not strike fear into the heart of most fans because he plays in the midwest for the vikings he doesn't really make the playoffs but how do you think kirk cousins got one of the only fully guaranteed paychecks in nfl history how do you think that happened? Do you think he was just like kind of vanilla doing his thing and his agent was just like really amazing and was like, nah, nah, we want fully guaranteed. Okay. Nah. Kirk Cousins is that fucking dude. 
He's absolutely that dude. We talk about it all the time. He's the third most accurate passer in NFL history. And he puts points on the board, man. You look at his touchdown to interception ratio, not just this season, look at last season. Like, go back and look at his body of work, man. And then what? His coach, who was a defensive coach, has a shit defense, and that's why he ultimately lost his job. Like, the offense was fine. And that's why I had always said before this whole shit storm with Brian Flores, I think he would have been an amazing fit for the Minnesota Vikings. I thought he would have been a great fit because Flo's offensive prowess hasn't really shown itself, but he could take the defensive side of the ball and go to work and let Kirk and his boys do their shit. You know what I mean? You take Jefferson, you take Cook, you take all, all these guys. Like I mean, that offense has been one of the most efficient offenses in football. So why wouldn't Kirk Cousins be that dude? We can say everything we want about Jimmy G or some of these other guys who are kind of fringe, Baker Mayfield. When did they ever have top-tier offensive production? When? Like, sure, the Browns, like, led the league in, like, some rushing categories and stuff like that, but putting points on the board, getting yards per play, stuff like that, like, Kirk did the damn thing. And you can absolutely fucking win with Kirk Cousins. He's a dude. Now with the Chicago Bears, Justin Fields, is he a dude? I don't know. I have no idea. Neither does anybody else. And that's what the new staff is going to have to find out. And granted, he's, again, like a lot of these guys not put in a great position. It was one of the most inept fucking offenses in NFL history. But... You know, there's a lot of work to do in Chicago. But I would love to see Justin Fields flourish. You know, I'd love to see the Bears flourish. Just because, I mean, they're one of those teams. Man, the NFL is just better when the Bears are relevant. They are. Bears, Packers, Monday night matchups, they mean more. You know what I mean? So, Justin Fields, we don't know. There's a question mark. Detroit Lions. Now I'm going to sound like Collinsworth because here's a guy, Jared Goff, was in a Super Bowl a few years ago and now just watched another quarterback win the Super Bowl with his team, with the team that he came from. It's like one of those Freaky Friday, like Disney movies, you know, where like two people switch places. Like that's what happened. So Goff went to purgatory. Matt Stafford went to L.A. and won a Super Bowl. Jared Goff, at one point, you know, there was some hope there, but he is absolutely a dud. There's a reason why the team traded you plus a bunch of draft picks in order to get another quarterback. They didn't just trade you for him. They traded you and, like, here, can I throw in my daughter to get rid of you for this guy? So Jared Goff, unfortunately, is a dud. Now, the Lions have a lot of capital, and they're going to try to shake some things up and make something sexy happen. I don't know what the end result will be, but right now, it's a dud situation. I feel like out of all the dud situations going on, I feel like the Lions have the capital, they have the motivation, like 
I think the Lions will be the most aggressive in trying to replace their dud. That's what I feel. But another team that has to replace somebody is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, what will Kyle Trask end up being? Don't know. Do not not know. So, obviously, we saw him ball at UF. That's a cool story, bro. And I honestly loved it when the Bucks took him because we all thought Brady was going to play till he's 57 or some shit. Like, whatever. Learn behind the GOAT. Great opportunity. Now the GOAT's gone. He's out in the meadows frolicking and shit. What you going to do? Huge question mark with Kyle Trask. And that brings us to the Atlanta Falcons. Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan used to be a dude. Now I don't know. I don't know at all. Tell you what I do know. Matt Ryan's cap hit this year is $48.6 million. If the Falcons release him, they incur $40 million in dead cap. Doesn't mean they won't do it, though. They could spread it out over a couple years. Still be 20 minutes. Still a lot of fucking money. He has a $7.5 million roster bonus that becomes fully guaranteed on March 18th. So that's your date to watch. Now let's look at Matt Ryan's quarterback rank over the last three years. 2021, he was 18th. 2020, he was 21st. In 2019, he was 14th. Now to be fair, in 2018, he was third. That was four years ago. But these last three years, and you think I'm giving you 49 million dollars boy you must be outside your mind Dak Prescott don't make that kind of fucking money Patrick Mahomes isn't gonna make that money until like 2024 if he even makes that money because again he's restructured it already he'll keep restructuring it like the like that deal that he made with the Chiefs was so team friendly it's an amazing fucking deal for the Chiefs point is Matt Ryan's putting up these kind of numbers and you're paying them $48.6 million? Not on my watch. Mm-mm. So huge question mark there. We don't know what's going to happen. And even if Ryan stays, I don't know what you can expect out of him. Then you've got the Panthers. And this by far has been the biggest clusterfuck of a quarterback situation I have ever seen in my life. So at one point this season... You had Cam Newton, who was brought in to replace the dude, who was brought in to replace the dude, who was brought in to replace the dude who replaced Cam Newton. That is actual fact. So you gave Teddy Bridgewater all this money, and then you immediately, same coach that was there when they gave him the, he's like, mm, uh, maybe that was a dumb idea. Let's go get Sam Darnold. How many draft picks would it take for us to get the guy who sees ghosts? Let's do that. And so they went and got their white whale, fucking Sam Darnold. And then he was shitty. And so they're like, didn't we get some guy from the XFL, PJ Walker? Yeah, was it? Yeah, fucking throw him in there. Let's, let's go. That was shit. So then they're like, Hey, this Cam Newton guy, he used to be pretty good. Let's let's, let's fucking get him. Train wreck. 
So now they're already eyeing other quarterbacks. It's the most fucked up situation. You've got like Darnold Dud, Cam Dud, Walker Dud. It's the Sacco Dud's laundry shop. So now they're looking for two or three Utes, Your Honor, to like come fill up the quarterback room because the guys they got there ain't going to cut it. Panthers got their work cut out for them. And then finally, that leaves us with the New Orleans Saints. And despite having a glimmer of hope with Jameis Winston, there's just a huge question mark there. Like it's a, it's a very unknown situation. We know what he did in Tampa with his 30-30 vision. Um, if you don't get that joke, take a minute, let it simmer. But when he went to New Orleans, all of a sudden, Jameis looked like a gamer. He was lighting it up. And the Saints looked good with Jameis Winston. Then he got hurt. And unfortunately, like, it's just not a good enough sample size. Especially when we already have the previous sample size of what happened in Tampa. So, we don't know. We have no idea. I wish we would have got a bigger sample size because I thought that would have been one of the greatest reclamation projects ever. And if Sean Payton was winning playoff games with Jameis Winston, then it automatically moved Payton into a first ballot, you know, Hall of Fame coach. So, we have to see, but it's a huge question mark. So, that's a don't know. So, when you go back... And you look at all of these. I really only count nine teams. Eight to nine teams. That I can say with almost certainty. Nah, their quarterback's going to be their quarterback next year. No matter what. This is their guy. Like, it's it, this, is, this is a done deal. And there's only two, maybe three of those that are in the NFC. That would be Dak and Stafford are your only real absolutes. And then what? Hopefully, you would think Cousins stays if they have half a brain in their head, but who knows? And I mean, I think also, too, because of his contract and it being fully guaranteed, like I I don't think Cousins moves. So that would be your third one. But that's it. That's what you got. Rodgers could be on the move. Russ could be on the move. Like, there's, there's so many question marks. There's so many things. So the NFC is just wide the fuck open wide open and you know there's a lot that we're going to cover as we get closer to the draft um you know while we're on the quarterbacks you know start familiarizing yourself with some some of these names um this isn't like the quarterback class that we've had in the past you're not going to see five guys go in the first round but there will be guys that come out of this draft who play in the nfl for years to come so we're going to be doing some articles on each position group. But here's here's the three names that are kind of floating around towards the top right now is Kenny Pickett from Pittsburgh. Um, he's projected probably somewhere in the top 20. And you've got Malik Willis out of Liberty, 6 foot, 220 pounds. And what's interesting is they're projecting his 40 time at 4-5, which... You know, that's wheels. So we'll have to see at the combine how that uh, comes to fruition and if, if that's accurate or not. But he's also projected to go in the first round. 
And then you have Sam Howell out of North Carolina. So six foot, 221 pounds, doesn't have the same wheels like that, but he's projected anywhere. I've seen grades from the first round all the way through the third round. So those are three names to kind of get into. And again, we're going to have some articles about every position group, and we'll tell you more about some of these guys and uh, things like that. But, um, you know, one of the things that is interesting talking about the combine is I'm sure you guys saw that there was agents advising their players that perhaps they should be boycotting certain activities at the combine. And now it's squashed. You know, now it's fine. But at the time, there were agents who were repping over 150 players. They were upset that there was going to be this bubble and, you know, they weren't allowed to get their trainers or their physicians or their PR teams or anybody else. And they had to stay like, it's just ridiculous. It's one of these things where the NFL is just, again, trying to exert its power uh, over people. And it's like, if you went to a job interview for three days in Chicago and they said, all right, well, we set you up a hotel room uh, right across the street here from the building. Don't leave the hotel. And no one's to come to your hotel either. You know, you'd be like, what? That's kind of fucking weird. Um, you know, it's just, again, like I, I don't want to get into a whole huge thing because they've already squashed it. Um, the players basically weren't going to get involved. And now all of a sudden the NFL's like, all right, well, fine. We're still recommending you don't do it. But I guess if you want to. Like, so now, now it's done and it's fine. But what's really interesting is the combine itself for years, there's been these ridiculous drills where it's like, okay, can you um, run to the 10-yard line, use the skip it, pick up a bop it, and then uh, do it with a hula hoop you know, going at the same time and do some stupid shit that's not in any way, shape, or form relevant to how you're going to play in the NFL. And this isn't me. This is, this is coaches. This is coaches who have said for years, like, this is dumb. These drills do not tell us anything about how these players perform. And so finally, the NFL worked in collaboration with others to say, okay, what do you need to see out of these drills? Because the other thing is, it's kind of like, you know, when you have SATs or standardized tests or any kind of certification, you have places that teach courses of what kind of questions are asked on this exam, how to get through them, what to what tools to use and stuff like that. There are also organizations who do that for the combine. They come in and they set you up mini combine drills and they say, these are the drills they're going to do. This is exactly how you get in and out of these drills. This is exactly how you do A, B, and C. This is how you get through the drill. And obviously that person would have an advantage over the person who doesn't. But the point is, it's just like with the standardized testing where you're, you're teaching to the test and not teaching what needs to be done so they're teaching them things that will only help them in the combine in these very specific situations and it's just it's it's ridiculous i mean you can just google go google combine studs you know people who just like broke the fucking ratings you know on, on the combine because they they just did every single little stupid drill better than anybody else and everything else but you put the game tape on they're lost they don't know what the fuck they do. Like, it, there's a million different things. So, it'll be interesting to see how adapted that NFL combine process is this year. Um, but 
at least it sounds like they squashed the bubble thing and it's whatever, whatever. Uh, speaking of some other things that were in the NFL news this past week, the XFL is collaborating with the NFL. And I read through the thing. They're going to share data and information and all kinds of cool stuff. But the sentence that got me hype was including technologies to enhance officiating. So the XFL will be sharing their technologies and their information and their processes of how they did officiating. And if you missed it, let me fucking break it down for you because the XFL gave you the blueprint of exactly what you should be doing. When the XFL was playing, they would have all the refs that are on the field that are there watching for their normal shit, but then they had an eye in the sky team. And that eye in the sky team, just like us, when we're sitting at home and we're watching the TV and we go, what the fuck, that was incomplete. You don't need a coach to get somebody to tell you, you know, if you should challenge. Or not. You, you skip that whole process. You have a booth of people that were like, oh, it was incomplete. And they immediately buzz the ref and they go, hey, stop the game. I got an incomplete pass here. They double confirm it. They got two, three people sitting next to them and they go, yeah, we got an incomplete pass. Okay, incomplete pass, spot the ball second and 10. There's two minutes and 30 seconds left on the clock. Boom, done, handled. Moving on. Because all this bullshit of like, oh, it'll slow down the game if we could. Like, no, fuck it wouldn't. And you do what slows down the game is when you do 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 and you under the hood bullshit, which first of all is crap. The way that the NFL does this under the hood stuff and you know, well, we're watching what the NFL is watching, but we have no idea what New York is saying in his ear. When the XFL did it, full transparency. They said, all right, we're going to go right up to the booth. And you see them watching the screens, what they're watching for. Back it up, moving forward. All right, yep, I got them down at third. Do you, do you confirm? Like, okay, yes, yes. Boom, done. Full transparency. You want to bring the trust back into the league that thinks, man, you got some of these guys who got money on the game or some guys who just have it out against certain teams? Put the fucking eye in this guy. And the NFL experimented with it. This year, you saw, especially going into the playoffs, they had certain plays where they're like, oh, no, it was incomplete. And they, they, because they would say, oh, New York, you know, has the ability now where if they really want, like, they always had the fucking ability. XFL showed you exactly how to fucking do it. You just wanted to dip your toes in the water and see if, you, you know, you don't like fucking with the, the history of the game and how, like, listen. You can tell me all day long you don't want to put a tracker in the ball, even though that technology's been around for forever, just because you like the drama of stretching that little chain that's not even put down in the right place because, like, go examine how that process goes, and it's just guy looks and sticks it down in the fucking dirt, man. He leans it one way or the other. Like, that's – it's – don't even get me started. So the point is have your little drama, do your stupid thing, even though I think that's bullshit. But you put that eye in the sky. You put that team up there who can immediately – get in the ref's ear and be like, hey, that was a fumble. The defense recovered it. Boom, ball's going this way. Let's fucking go. And then while the teams are changing possession, you know, they show it on the highlights. Like, fans can suck a dick if they don't like it. But that's, like, you fix the situation. We can fix this. We have the power. XFL is giving you all of the tools you need. Help me help you. Okay? So, please, NFL. Do not fuck this up. That's all I'm going to say. <sighs> Having said that, some other things that have been in the NFL news this week. 
Holy shit, this lady that fell off the stage. This was one of the most bizarre fucking situations. So if you've been living under a rock, a Rams photographer was taking pictures of the Super Bowl parade and she was backing up, almost like in a Leslie Nielsen movie where she's backing up, backing up to take the picture and then just like falls off the mountain. Like she fell off like a 10-foot stage, okay? She fractured her spine, broke her cameras, like, you know, it's... It's a fucked up situation. So, but in the video where you see her falling, Matt Stafford, <laughs> Matt Stafford, who she was taking the pictures of, sees her fall off and then is like, oh, and then he just bounces. He's like, I'm out. And of course now, you know, him and the Rams immediately said they're going to generously cover her medical bills. Um, but damn, like, first of all, I think like OSHA would like a word. Like, they got a few questions. Um, secondly, I know Matt was tipsy, so we saw him during the Super Bowl thing, and he was drinking straight from the bottle and stuff, so I will say many of us may not be in our right mind in that situation, and we all saw Brady tanked last year, throwing Lombardi trophies in between boats and barely being able to stand when he got off the boat back to the dock, so I think he probably would have reacted, you know, pretty much, uh, the same way, um, Having said that, it's obviously a terrible look when you just watch someone possibly fall to their death or be paralyzed for life and you're like, oh, walk away, walk away, don't be suspicious, don't be suspicious. So that wasn't a good look. But what ended up happening, people started to go fund me, Pat McAfee threw some money in there, like, and then all of a sudden people did some digging and found out this person was a racist, bigot, homophobe piece of shit. And they dragged up all her old tweets, which I've read the tweets, I've seen it, like it's, it's not fucking pretty. It is not fucking good. So, if and when she gets out of the fucking hospital and has her medical shit taken care of or whatever, like, she might have a little difficulty finding a job right away. Because that was a much worse look than drunk Matthew Stafford being like, ooh, walk away, walk away. Um, very, very bad shit. And it, the, the internet's forever, man. It keeps receipts. And it's funny because I was just saying this week about somebody completely unrelated that I saw getting canceled this week. And listen, I'm not like, ooh, woke culture, like, you know, you, you, you know, made a very untimely joke and now you should be canceled for the rest of your life. But if you are like a legit, legit piece of shit, like you're, you're a legit piece of shit and it's obvious that you are the kind of person who could not be trusted to be in any way, shape, or form in charge of a diverse group of people because you obviously have bias against those people. Yeah, then I have no fucking reservations about you getting canceled the fuck out of society one by one. Like it, it doesn't bother me. Just don't be a dick. I mean, that's kind of what Jesus said. Like, I'm paraphrasing, but don't be a dick. Like, fucking, you know, it's all in good fun and everybody can talk some shit. But, like, if you're just, like, a horrible fucking person, yeah, we don't need you. We don't need you. That's fine. So, anyways, that story just got completely crazy. And, like, she went from zero to hero to, like, back in the gutters. And then Pat McAfee was getting attacked because they're like, how could you support a person who, you know does and says all these horrible things and he was like whoa like I, I didn't know maybe i can get my money back from gofundme like and he brought up the fact where he's like i shouldn't just assume because she worked for a professional organization on the biggest stage that she's got the greatest moral character and things like that and 
He was just trying to be nice, as was everybody else who donated because they felt bad. Bitch was there doing her job and she fell off the stage. But like, maybe that was karma. Maybe karma was like, bye, bitch. Like, maybe it caught up with her. Like, I, I don't fucking know. But, you know, that's the part of, you know, cancel culture where I'll say like when people are coming for Pat, like Pat fucking knew. He was like, yeah, that's right. She said all that shit fucking bunch of years ago like yeah i want to help pay her medical bill like that's not a fucking you know every time somebody like this does some piece of shit fucking horrible thing and then they find a picture from like their 15th birthday where you went to school with the kid and they're like ah oh, birds of a feather fly like fuck off with that shit you know what i mean like i i have 7600 followers on our podcast like i can't vet every single one of these people i i, I don't have the resources man I don't think Pat McAfee hired a private investigator and sent them on the rounds, you know, before he donated some money. Maybe he should have. Maybe he shouldn't. I don't fucking know. But just a wild, crazy fucking story, man. That shit was just ridiculous. Um, <laughs> so all kinds of things happening in the NFL. But as I mentioned before, the draft is coming up. We've got the start of league year. All this crazy shit's going to go down. And... We just opened the franchise tag window. So, you know, one of the things that I found very interesting listening to McAfee's show this week was Aaron Rodgers alluded to Devontae Adams getting tagged or not getting tagged and said that's, he alluded that that's one of the things he's waiting on to see play out before he weighs his decision of what he's going to do. And I think that's very interesting because one, we know that the Packers now have his, he's got their ear like, never before and they're like all right what do you want us to do what do you want us to do like so i don't think they would go against whatever he's saying um but you would think that rogers is advocating for adams to get a long-term deal to stay and get his homie hooked up but what would be fascinating is like the packers announced like a four-year deal for Devonte adams they pay him his big money and shit and like two days later rogers goes yeah i'm retiring thanks guys like, that would be the most G move that I've ever fucking seen in my life. I would have a whole new level of respect for Aaron fucking Rodgers if he did some shit like that. Um, but it was very interesting that he noted that. So, here are some of the names that could possibly be franchise tagged. We mentioned Avante Adams. J.C. Jackson in New England, which, for my money, again, one of the best corners out there. He long surpassed Stephon Gilmore. This guy is good at fucking football. He is really good. Jesse Bates, safety for the Bengals, also a possible target for the franchise tag. Orlando Brown, the left tackle for the Chiefs. Uh, Chandler Jones, the linebacker for the Arizona Cardinals. And Mike Gesicki, the tight end for the Miami Dolphins, which I think is less likely but still a possibility if they really were hell-bent on trying to keep him without doing a major extension. So, so many things, obviously, that uh, we're going to get into this coming off season, especially in the coming weeks, all kinds of different contests that we have going on. We just had uh, one of our Twitter followers just received their Joe Montana signed jersey. Uh, awesome fucking giveaway that we did during the Super Bowl. We just sent out our Joe Burrow bobblehead to our winner from that contest. Dust Finn got his money paid out from our Super Bowl contest, so we'll probably do another one this week. So make sure you follow us on Twitter, at RegulatorsPod, and I apologize a little bit in advance if uh, if this show isn't the best of quality or if I 
repeated myself in something like just again i'm about transparency like halfway through the show the battery on my laptop died i thought it was plugged in it was like plugged in but the plug wasn't plugged into the wall you know like a fucking moron um so i didn't notice that because my laptop is nowhere near my microphone i don't have anything near my microphone so not that you care about any of this shit the point is the show died halfway through the show and I don't really have this scripted, you know, this is kind of just off the cuff. I just have a few notes. So when I had to repeat the last half of the show, I don't really remember if I said things twice, if I did or if I didn't. I know I had a, a really good joke that I dropped the first time about uh, Eli Manning reminding me of Cuba Gooding Jr. in that movie radio. But I don't know if I made that in the first half of the show or if I just forgot it and left it out of this part. But either way, I hope you enjoyed the show. I appreciate the shit out of you guys. And um, the way that, honestly, you can just show love back is just text, Facebook link, Twitter, like everything. Like if you can just send the show to somebody. Like each Wednesday when you listen or Thursday, Friday, whenever you get around to it, send it to a friend and be like, oh, did you listen this week? It's pretty funny. It's pretty good shit. So I appreciate it. Again, look for us on Twitter, at RegulatorsPod. Thank you so much for being part of what we do. We'll catch you in the Twitter streets. Peace!